To celebrate the return of the Premier League, we're offering 40% off a subscription with The Athletic for a limited time only. Go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to sign up for less than £3 a month. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Oh, I say! It's amazing! He does it tame and tame and tame again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! Premier League football is back, and who better to reintroduce it all than Sean Bean, circa 1997. It's ecstasy, anguish, joy and despair. It's part of our history, part of our country, and it will be part of our future. It's theatre, art, war and love. It should be predictable, but never is. It's a feeling that can't be explained, but we spend our lives explaining it. It's our religion. We do not apologise for it. We do not deny it. They're our team, our family, our life. Football. We know how you feel about it. Because we feel the same. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. With me to to go through what I can only describe as talking points um, is Charlie Eccleshare, first of all. Charlie, do, do you subscribe to everything that Sean Bean said there? Is it, does that sum up your sentiment for the return of Premier League football? We do not apologise for it. I, I love that. But, uh, yeah, I will not apologise. Uh, a lot of people are you know suggesting i should say sorry for it and i'm just not going to oh, ask it to hear um as well as you we've got jack pitbrook welcome back jack what do you think sean bean thinks about the technological hoo-ha at uh villa park last night being a sheffield united fan i think he's probably got some strongly held views about about what happened last night i mean there's obvious even even were he not a massive sheffield united fan that we know that he is i don't imagine he's especially keen on on technology in, in the game and people like that mm. you know people who hold those views are desperate to see the technology go wrong it's mm. such glee such glee for those people when when there is a mistake like that do you remember, it made me um think and i still like the the jonathan pierce meltdown in the world cup mm. in 2014 early on when there was a france goal and it was like no it doesn't work the technology doesn't work because they'd shown the wrong clip. I think there'd been one that had hit the post and hadn't gone in and the goal had been given. And it was it was a really sensational meltdown to watch. And Martin Keown was kind of, you could gently hear him saying like, <laughs> no, no, I think I think that's a different clip. I think that's a different <laughs> clip. And, and then Jonathan Pierce, I think, was wrote a, an open letter explaining the confusion. Like it really gathered legs, mm. this story. Um so yeah, I, I I did enjoy being reminded of that. We are definitely going to get into anti-technology sneering, just this kind of um, pushback against this supposed dystopian reality that that currently we find ourselves in. But that that's for later on. First of all, I feel like we have to talk about um, one of the one of the big talking points before the football league even kicked off, which was the virtual crowd noise that the broadcasters all seem to have adopted for the return of the Premier League, and we've already seen it in in, in Bundesliga as well. Charlie, what, what what did you make of it? I mean, from my perspective, I'd say about sixty percent of my of my Twitter. 
time and were broadly in favour of it. it. It was a fairly inoffensive kind of device, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I think we were kind of one step further along the kind of backlash journey because mm. it had been trialled a bit already in other leagues. So it seemed like the journey normally for these things is the backlash of this is awful. Mm. And then a lot of kind of, am I the only one who thinks this isn't actually that bad? <laughs> um, and that had kind of played out already. So maybe that made for a slightly more accepting reaction to the noise than than you would have thought. Uh, for me, I, I was kind of flicking between the two. Oh, right, okay. Well, because I found the, the no noise more authentic, mm. but at times just quite bum out. So if it was yep. kind of getting me down a bit, I would... Because especially in the first game, which I was kind of watching fairly lightly, when you had the crowd noise, it did feel quite normal like yeah. it, it, to me it seemed vaguely realistic and was kind of fine um but yeah if i wanted to yeah have that more authentic experience and hear the echoey shouting then then i could do that but yeah I, I mean i thought it was it, it it did a job uh when i when i was listening to it jack i feel i feel like we're, we're stuck in this kind of weird debate between the idea of authenticity which is reflecting what is actually happening in a football game and, and not ignoring the actual reality of the situation we find ourselves in versus this this kind of comfort blanket that apparently everyone subconsciously needs which is this this, this hubbub of a crowd in the background as the as the game goes on I, f- I think i fall in the latter camp i don't know about you I, I feel like i need that even after 20 30 years of watching football it feels like this kind of subliminally important soundtrack to football in the background yeah, I completely agree. I I had the crowd noise on. I liked it. I'm not going to apologise for it. <laughs> uh, I, and the one thing I get annoyed with, which has really pissed me off over the course of the last few weeks, has been there's this kind of like competitive authenticity policing yep. from certain people on the internet and in real life. And that <laughs> is these people kind of get off on saying that well, of course, it's not real, is it? It's 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 soulless. It's like I can't enjoy this, and more to the point, you can't enjoy it. And yeah. if you say you're enjoying it, then you're lying. Mm. And if you say you think this is real, then you're lying. And this is everywhere. Like, uh, you know, some pretty prominent people have been saying this on Twitter, and it really winds me up because, like, of course, it's not. Of course, this isn't like a normal experience for this. But look at the news. Like, we're literally living in a dystopian novel. Like, half a million people have died from a pandemic in the last six, over the course of the last six months. And of course, we can't perfectly recreate the conditions that we had six months ago. And yet, all we, you know, all we are, I think, you know, I'm going to sound like Richard Masters here. I I think the Premier League has done an amazing job by getting back. And it's fantastic that we've got football to watch on TV that is safe. Yeah. And the players are protected and we now have this product back on our screens. And if we're going to add in a bit of fake sound to make it feel a tiny bit more real, that's fine. It's cool. And yet this are oh, like the, the, the sneering and the kind of the sneering and the condescension towards it and towards people who enjoy it has really, really pissed me off. As okay. has, Because it's kind of wrapped up in this idea that. Only I can mediate how you enjoy football. Only I can mediate. I only I can judge what is an authentic football experience and what isn't. And you need you somehow need my permission and impro- and approval <laughs> to enjoy this particular product. So anyway, it's that, that has that has really really annoyed me. I I, I do often see Charlie. Um a caveat to a lot of those opinions is is you can enjoy it if you want to but uh, um <laughs> i heard i saw one particular football writer describe it as leaving him feeling cold 
it, it left him cold, the whole thing, which I, I do worry. And uh, this taps into a kind of long-held belief I've had, which is that I, I've, I feel we do kind of over-romanticise football fandom a little bit. I feel I feel like if if some some people feel like if, if they enjoy the, all of this too much, then they're kind of betraying football fandom because the fans aren't there. The most important people in football, except obviously the players because it's sport. Do we worry that people are just a little bit too scared to enjoy it because they feel like if we if they enjoy it too much this might become a permanent thing which would never happen jack what you touched on there the that there is always that competitiveness between fans isn't there of kind of who enjoys who gets football the most who is the most authentic fan and that sort of thing and this really taps into that what one thing I wanted to ask you guys as well as do you what generally is the alternative being pushed by uh, those who aren't so keen on the product is, is it and I genuinely don't know because I haven't engaged with it enough probably is it that there just shouldn't be football because it's too weird like how what is the best solution is it just if you can't have it don't have it at I've all I've seen a few people suggesting that, that football shouldn't have returned until until it was safe for fans to do so and there, and there are there are millions of right. financial and institutional and administrative reasons why that wasn't the case so that's that's off the table straight away um i guess the the obvious alternative for some was to, was to simply mute the tv completely and and, and pretend that that there was a, in your head pretend that there's a crowd but surely if you're pretending in your head that nothing is happening then it's essentially the same as having the virtual crowd on as well so i i don't know i, d- I don't know what but also there was the option wasn't there because the because you could have it you know without any crowd noise if you wanted like both options were there for you it was, it was yeah yeah either or, that, right? that seems to be glossed over i mean uh, jack I, I i just can't understand why honestly i can't understand why someone would want to hear the echoey shouts of a behind closed doors football game or authenticity issues aside i don't understand how that would benefit your viewing experience yeah you're right it makes it it's weird isn't it it's because the situation because this strange situation we're in by listening to the kind of inverted commas real the real feed, as in without crowd noises, you're mm. giving yourself a much more unreal, like surreal experience. And that, yeah. in fact, the kind of, you know, the, the, the phony thing that is the crowd noise, which we all listen to, actually felt a lot realer. And I don't see what, yeah, I mean, look, I, I didn't listen to it without noises. I wouldn't especially want to. I've quite enjoyed the crowd noises in Bundesliga, in NRL. Uh, I wouldn't want to go. I've I've been to a behind closed doors game with you know obviously without crowd noise. That was when England played Croatia in Rijeka in 2018, and it was really weird just hearing yeah. Jordan Henderson yeah. and Jordan Pickford shouting very loudly. And I wouldn't necessarily want to. I know, I know there's always like a little bit of curiosity about like oh he's, he's he's telling him to get rid of the ball or he's telling him he's asking the ref how is that not a foul? But in yeah. reality, I don't like it. Like I'd much rather just hear like noises and shout like as in fan noises and hubbub and things. As someone who was kind of flicking between the two, it, it was just a curiosity thing, you know. It was th- th- this it, just to get a sense of what it was like for the players. But as I say, it, I generally was having to flick because I did just find it too strange. I think to watch a full ninety minutes with with just that kind of echoey swimming pool noise. <laughs> I think general preciousness aside, I I was also interested in how whatever crowd sounds that they had affected the perception of whether a game is good or bad now now generally the villa sheffield united game was was decreed to be a bad game of football and now what i couldn't i couldn't discern from that feedback was whether that was was that directly affected by the situation we're in or if villa versus sheffield united would have been a bad game of football at any stage of our lifetime and and there two things come from this jack first of all do we ever have the right 
to, to expect a football game to be entertaining, uh, whether it's the first game back from a coronavirus pandemic or not. And secondly, does do, does crowd noise, you know, if, if, if there's a controversy in a game or, or a game is particularly end to end and a crowd gets going on the back of that, surely that dictates almost artificially whether we perceive a game to be good or bad or not. I actually thought it was a decent game, wasn't it? I actually didn't watch it. Having given it, having given it the performative big one on Twitter about oh I'm so excited I'm bloody like, that, like, that thing which winds me up when other people do it like the whole like oh, I just bloody love football me oh I just thing. I know what you mean what I thought it told me was that um, it, I think these games which I have a fairly light interest in are going to be a lot harder to watch I mean we've spoken about this before this issue already with our dwindling attention spans mm. that you find your finger kind of going towards your phone yeah. to just idly scroll through twitter and again like that and you know things like noise and uh excitement in that way are probably good ways of holding your attention mm. so i i think that behind closed doors games of matches you're not that interested in without crowds are gonna it's gonna it's gonna it will feel like a bit of a struggle sometimes to hold your attention mm. and and i don't know how much that is to do you know the quality of the product probably won't change but mm. but it's like you know when on a sunday and you're you know it might be aston villa sheffield united and then you'd flick over to syria and it's juventus sassuolo and just the difference in noise yeah. it would be so much quieter there that you I don't know, just that, on a really base level, I would kind of instinctively find myself turning back to the Premier League game. There's something a bit more stirring about that crowd mm. noise and that atmosphere. Mm. And so I feel it will make a difference to the viewing experience for those games that you're not so bothered about, even if the quality hasn't really changed all that much. Uh, so, Jack, I'm, gonna, I'm going to rely on a kind of human habit, which is, which is that I, I, I kind of pre- confidently predict that we're all just going to get used to this. There are nine games left for pretty much every club now. That's a lot of football still to be played. Plenty of people are going to be watching every single game because they're pretty much all kind of isolated games in isolated time slots. We're pretty much going to get used to this quite quickly. But on the other hand, if you look at uh, a philosopher like Liam Gallagher, he says, this is pure wank. Void the season absolutely ridiculous, all because the Scousers ain't won the league for 300 years. So which way are you going to go here? I really hate disagreeing with Liam Gallagher on anything. Mm. But I, I think that this is kind of this isn't what I had in my mind. But this is kind of an example of the sort of middle-aged football fan complaining that it isn't sufficiently real, <laughs> and therefore it is totally without value, yeah. which is quite a widespread view. But no, I, people will get rid. People will get used to it. Of course they will. People got, got used to the strange kickoff times in the 2002 World Cup. They got used to Vivi Zaylas yes. in 20, the, the 2010 World Cup. Mm-hmm. They you know people adjust people adjust very quickly i am just very interested to 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 kind of see what people are still saying about this in late july Uh, i I suspect we've probably got another two or three weeks of people banging on about the new normal and uh, and then saying it's pretty much like the old normal really isn't it but uh, and then once once everyone's had their go at that i suspect we are going to settle down into something of a rhythm of football I, i don't and also i think what we should also say to the naysayers the purists is that this is this is this is born out of necessity. This is this is an f- administrative requirement to get the season finished, and then once that's done out of the way, we can talk about um, wh- how football fans should be welcomed back and all that sort of stuff. But th- this is this is the reality, of course. And um, I was I was particularly excited to see how Sky were going to approach it, because right from the very first minute, I knew that they were going to be very earnest about the return of football, Charlie. And uh, and so it turned out within the first five minutes, we had um, M83's outro, which is now the the default choice for every sporting montage because it's very dramatic then almost stops completely and then comes roaring back and then there was a poem Mm. which is 
I, I believe written in British law that you have to have at the start of every major sporting broadcast. <laughs> uh, and, th- and then we were introduced to some socially distant punditry and, and it's really putting the pressure on the cameraman with three pundits and a presenter really spread out across the touchline of the pitch. Uh, what did you think about the TV coverage? I thought it was really well done. I, they didn't make a big thing of it, that, which was a crucial thing. They didn't, they didn't really talk about how unusual it was. They just got cracking. Yeah, and also, like you say, I think there wa- it was a difficult balance because they they were conscious that you know they didn't want to be too bombastic about mm. it because of the context yes. so there was quite a lot of boy are we excited for Villa Sheffield United but we must remember <laughs> that you know there have been much bigger things and and you know totally understandably because I'm sure they would have got hammered had it been too much as if like everything's great uh Villa Sheffield United is going to solve the global pandemic yeah um, so I, I think they did. They did strike the uh, you know a good turn. And and the thing is, with with a, with a league like the Premier League, there are always going to be games that aren't that bad. Mm. But obviously, because this was the first ones back, Aston Villa, Sheffield United had more focus on it as a kind of bellwether for the division yeah. than it will ever have had before or will have again. Whereas once you have that bigger sample size, and let's say we've had two rounds of games there will have been enough action and good stuff that it will the other stuff will kind of wash away and we won't be scrutinizing it quite to the same extent i thought villa sheffield united was a bit like the opening game of a world cup it was it was not exactly the a-list teams playing straight mm. away but it kind of eased you into the whole whole idea of it the the spirit of everything jack i, I don't know when it is you actually deigned to tune into the live football last night but um <laughs> uh, one one little device that i thought was kind of a positive development from the um, unusual situation was was Jamie Carragher being deployed as a genuinely roving reporter. He pops up in about eight different places in the stadium and I really enjoyed it. It was like, where's Wally? Yeah, that was really, really good. Uh, he, You got a good mix of kind of bench, like, sort of Jeff Shreve style bench insight as well as li- <laughs> little tactical bits that he'd seen, seeing, you know, I think Sterling running up against Bellerin on the far side and it was really good. I can't say that I'd. I think. I think it would be impossible to live in Britain in 2020 and say that you have missed Neville and Carragher, such as their ubiquity <laughs> uh, on TV and on the internet. But it mm. was. It was good to see him back. Like, I did. I, I, to be honest, I had missed Martin Tyler. Like Martin Tyler yeah. is nowhere near as ubiquitous as Neville and Carragher. But it was good. He. It was. It was great just hearing him talk, like chatting away with Neville and. His own, his obvious passion for the game shone through. So I, yeah, I, I definitely got like on, you know, a really positive feeling from the Sky coverage yesterday. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, other comforting things though, uh, Shrevesy, um getting in a what's the thinking there straight away in the uh, pre-match interviews with Mikel Arteta, <laughs> which is um, which really brought me back, which really kind of nailed on that that football had returned and and that we should embrace the mundanity as, as as well as some of the kind of more unusual situations. One of the very small things that the broadcasters managed to wangle out of the Premier League as a kind of uh, as kind of like a peace offering for all of this um this kind of shutdown was they allowed the the coin toss audio to be broadcast and i don't know what i don't know <laughs> this, this is the smallest thing they could possibly have, have squeezed out the premier league as, a, as an offering but what what could they ever have hoped to achieve from a coin toss audio they're never <laughs> going to swear and you're only going to get two things happening a little bit of a joke with a referee and then a coin toss well how could they possibly find that entertaining charlie I I enjoyed as well. I actually didn't see the city. I missed the city Arsenal coin toss, but in the Villa one, Grealish <laughs> just been like, "Yes, there's we are." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what, what what possible advantage or disadvantage would there be? Uh, maybe, maybe that's yeah, a, maybe fine. that's a thing that should stay. I feel like if anything, that's going to bring Premier League football closer to the common man because that's Sunday league right there, the coin toss. Like, um, mm. 
are they going to play downhill at Barnet or uphill? Who's who's which? What do we want second half? Is it going to be the wind? This is this is great stuff. So maybe the coin toss audio should stay earlier in the season. I think maybe because of like my tennis background, where mm. winning the toss and electing serve or receive is actually quite a big deal. And I tweeted from I think it was Watford Spurs being like, "Yeah, Spurs have won the toss and stayed as they are," <laughs> which is just about the most uninteresting tweet. With a lot of competition that I've ever seen. The thing is, it'll only take maybe two or three games when they'll start doing a graphic saying, Mark Noble does go for heads 66% of the time. (laughs) And we'll get into the kind of, like you're doing cricket, the kind of Virat Kohli Kohli usually goes tails. And it is a tail. Yeah, you could get like that penalty uh, graphic of where they've put their last five penalties. (laughs) Where the coin has dropped. Get up Uh, five different... Yeah, 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 exactly. There were certain innovations that I I didn't quite get on board with. I don't think I'm ever going to indulge in the Sky Sports watch-along, with all due respect to those involved. I just don't think I want a goggle box experience to my Premier League football. Jack, how do you feel about it? I think, yeah, I I completely agree. Also, we don't really need one in the sense that most... Most people, or a lot, for a lot of people watching, you know, Twitter and various WhatsApp threads effectively give you that with you know your own chosen friends rather than uh, people given to you by the by Sky Sports. Like I, I th- obviously, like as Charlie was saying earlier, the social aspect of watching football online is quite important now. But I, I wouldn't want that to be provided to me by the television company. I, I think um, at some point over the next six, seven, eight weeks, Charlie, I think I might actually get the closest in my life I've ever been to what the gambling adverts th- think football fans watch football, which is sort of three mates <laughs> all, what, all wearing sort of River Island clothing, um, sat on a sofa cheering along almost randomly to a football game. I feel like I might get to that stage. That um, I, I, The mountain coming to Muhammad, this is how culture has dictated that I should watch football. And uh, and I think I might get to that stage, but uh, I, was still, I suppose I would have to break some sort of um, legislation to get some friends around. Charlie, what I did enjoy um, about some of the, the Premier League kind of rollout of Project Restart with some of the language they used. Uh, there are, of course, no ball boys in this current setup. And so they replaced it with what was known as a ball replenishment system, uh, which is a grand <laughs> term for what was simply balls on cones. How seriously do you think they, they were taking it a little bit too seriously with their language? And it's all a bit earnest, isn't it? It is just it's just football coming back. I think like many, the the rules and social distancing, all of this sort of thing feel very confusing. But you, you had that, you had the dedication to the ball replenishment system, you had the sub socially distancing, mm. but then players were fist pumping and stuff at the start yeah. of the game and being quite matey with the ref. There was a couple of like hands around the ref, <laughs> I seem to remember, and this sort of thing. You're like, it does feel a bit odd that, you know, players are socially distancing and balls are being, you know, safely replenished when if they come on the pitch, they're going to be, you know, bumping fists all over and each barging other. into one another well, i think sterling was asked after the game about it he said he said um he said like after you scored your goal you, you kind of celebrated in a normal way even though the, the guidance was to keep your distance if you could and he just said well this is football like we've all been tested um and we and most of us have come back negative the overwhelming majority of us have had negative tests so this is what we're going to do i mean and and i kind of sympathize with that because it's professional sport you're very much in the zone you're gonna you're gonna kind of fall back to your instincts when it comes to various passages of play and reactions and players are going to celebrate with each other so i i, I don't think we should I, I haven't seen any outrage i should i should add but I, I don't feel like footballers should adhere to this widespread legislation when they're actually playing football on a, on a very sterilized football pitch jack it doesn't make sense to have a normal full contact football match with grappling mm. 
and tackling and you know busy penalty areas from a corner and all the rest of it and then also yeah. to say oh but by the way you can't touch you know you can't you can't embrace a teammate when he scores a goal it just doesn't really make sense <laughs> does it harry sponsors football cliches a podcast brought to you by the athletic harry's was founded by jeff and andy two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors jeff and andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality so they bought their own factory and now by taking less profit Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. As a listener of Football Clichés, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover, by going to harrys.com forward slash football cliches right now. That's harrys.com forward slash football cliches. The abiding image, Charlie, I have of David Luiz now is him just sort of standing there looking lost. I feel like I've seen so many close-ups of David Luiz just standing there going, what is happening to me? Jamie Carragher kind of suggested this much after the game, but do you think we're finally, have we finally reached the end of our David Luiz rollercoaster in the Premier League? Because I feel like there are no, there are no more things to say about David Luiz. Pundits seem to have run out of ways to talk about him. Um, and, and I think once, <laughs> yeah, once you get to that stage of the footballer, they are basically done. They get, they get tossed aside like a, like a bad TV show. When Martin Tyler asked Neville for his thoughts, he just went like, uh, <laughs> kind of summed it up. I mean, I, look, I have a slightly complicated relationship with David Luiz yeah. and in instinctively I have defended him a lot because I think a lot of the criticism is over the top. Mm -hmm. I think he's such an easy target. I think he's someone who, I mean, under Arteta, for instance, he's, he's generally been really good for Arsenal <laughs> and has... No, honestly, I know that sounds ridiculous in a season where he's given away, what, four penalties and, and all the rest. But since Atletico came in, he has been very solid. He's been one of Arsenal's better players. Mm. And, you know, in they, they've kept actually, I think before the game, it was four clean sheets in their last eight league games. Um, but he does have these moments. He's like the opposite. Well, he's a highlights player in the worst possible sense. Yep. You know, he's the opposite of one of those guys who... You know, if you you support a team and you have an attacking player, he doesn't really do a lot, but he will pop up with a goal. Mm. He's kind of that, and so I've I've always defended him. I think he he does a lot of things really well. His distribution is unbelievable. He's generally thought to be a very good presence in dressing rooms. Um, you know, shows leadership in the way he gets on the ball. You know, he's brave. Yeah. But clearly, when things like this happen, you you are struggling um, to defend him. So. I don't know. I, I I think he. The reality is as well. He still is probably one of Arsenal's two best centre backs. <laughs> so will continue to play for the rest of the season. Um, He's also given away four, pe yeah, four penalties mean, this season, which which seems like a really odd habit for a footballer to have. I've never heard. I've never heard of a player with a penchant for giving away penalties. Yeah, well, it kind of, it speaks to that lack of concentration. You know, that he'll let he'll be a, he'll be reacting rather than anticipating. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm still probably going to be more on the <laughs> defensive side of him, just because yeah. maybe maybe because that is just a more a less common opinion to have. Because I think the default is to deride him and, and dismiss the good things he does, because the bad things he does are so high profile. Yeah. Well, Jack, as 
on one hand, um, digging into an individual player for his horror show of a performance seemed like a very comforting way to to return to football as normal. Similarly, I'm scrolling down a list of tweets by Premier League players, and this was something I was really looking forward to as just a return to normality, which is just players' mundane tweets. Here's here's Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, Strong team performance tonight with three well-deserved points. But what is more important, we all hope Eric's injury is not too bad. Get well soon, mate. Praying symbol, ball symbol, game hashtag, at Man City, at Premier League. That's got all the ingredients. Um, the only thing that's missing is praising the fans, but I guess he can't do that. Yeah, it ticks all the boxes. It's one of the, yeah, again, that's the kind of thing that I had forgotten that, I'd forgotten that it was part of the furniture. And so to have it a bit, you know, a little bit like Martin Tyler, I suppose. Like, so, so to have it back was, you know, is itself comforting. I think the great thing I think about David Luiz is that, so I was speculating on another podcast about how one of the problems of having Premier League back after 15 weeks off is that you would kind of forget about the main character's traits in the way that if you didn't watch a soap opera for 15 weeks, you would forget, like, is Phil Mitchell a goodie or a baddie? <laughs> so it was so it was so comforting to have one of the main characters performing perfectly to type. Like, he mm. could not have given a more David Luiz performance. And in doing so, he kind of, you know, he provides that comforting... And then it all comes flooding back. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. He does this all the time. It would have actually been much harder to... It would be much harder to stomach if he'd been faultless or even anonymous. Um, With Louise, I feel like there's an element to which people feel he's fair game because mm. he comes across very confident and maybe a bit brash. Like, if he was a technically limited, let's say, English centre-back, I, I feel like it would be more... I don't know. Maybe there'd be a bit more sympathy. If it, You know, it might feel like it's punching down a bit. Whereas I think some pundits and, you know, certainly people online maybe think he's... But because he does carry himself with a degree of confidence and, you know, he loves getting on the ball and that kind of thing, it, it it's as though his mistakes are down to arrogance and, um, you know, not caring enough, maybe. And I don't know, it, you know, maybe that is part of it, but it feels like as well it is, it's, you know, a failure of of concentration and, and we're far quicker to to jump on those kind of things than the failure of technique. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. Hawkeye came in for some rather rather venomous criticism as a tennis man charlie i feel like you you're here you're here to def- defend hawkeye because i feel like it's, it's perfectly good technology we were never moaning about goal line technology up until this point and then it happened to do the the first thing wrong in what it claims to be over nine thousand matches and then suddenly all the purists jumping on the machines come on stick up for hawkeye well, I guess it's a similar thing with Louise, that people feel <laughs> Hawkeye has a certain arrogance and, you know, uh, self-assuredness and it needs to be brought down a peg or two. You know, Hawkeye tells us it's faultless. Well, this seemed pretty faultless. Um, yeah, it's a shame because Hawkeye is generally, I think, there's no one who doesn't like having it now, right? I mean, it's it's just 
brilliant what it does it, it's it's so efficient yeah it, i mean it, it was bizarre and and, it, and it, it did seem odd and i can understand it how kind of de-skilled linesmen's and refs and things are by it because you do just assume it's right whereas had hawkeye not been there the ref and the linesman could have seen with their eyes that <laughs> we've gone over the line but of course of course you trust the technology I don't think the occluding um, <laughs> language helps particularly I, in their explanation. I don't think that's going to do them any favours, sort of introducing the word occluded to the entire world um, <laughs> in a moment of severe apology. Um, Jack, I'm tempted to say that talking about football uh, technology and football is a tedious subject, but also I don't want to fall into that trap because I'm I'm fascinated by the discussion around the, the this cyclical discussion around the technology in football because there never seems to be a resolution to this debate there will always be someone coming up with a with a argument that has massive holes in it and um should we all just not agree that technology is not magic we have to get over the fact that every now and then it's going to get things wrong by by the limitations of how it's set up do you for once have some sympathy with the machines yeah i do have some sympathy with the machines it's easier to argue that the technology is infallible rather than the technology as a person watching a screen. Like people like to think that VAR, like people get kind of short-circuited by the idea that VAR is ultimately just a man in a box in Stockley Park watching a screen. Like I remember one, I remember once seeing somebody accidentally describe VAR as video as the video assistant robot, as in <laughs> thinking that it was it was a, like a, it was like Deep Blue and not just a person watching something. Uh, so yeah. I think it it does kind of it does it is easier to argue in that way uh, because both both for pro tech and anti tech people in the sense that VAR has been you know in some quarters VAR has been sold to us as being like this can take the human error out of the decision making process which mm. of course it can't really do um, and I get but I never I, that said I never thought that we'd have something as as like obviously f- flawed as what happened yesterday with the with the with the technology being in place to make the right decision and then simply not working that's kind of a new level of error can we talk about that goal from a from a footballing spe- perspective first of all charlie have you ever seen anything like that i mean i i've seen overhit crosses being misjudged by goalkeepers before and i and i have to say technology <laughs> aside when that ball was pretty much at its apex i thought something's going to happen here you just knew that the goalkeeper had misjudged it so something terrible is about to happen but what unfolded next and this is where i have sympathy with with hawkeye in the sense that uh it's it's manufacturers say this is a, this is essentially an unprecedented situation this unprecedented <laughs> combination of people in the way that's all fine with me you you can't you can't cover every single angle with all your cameras but the point being is this the way that Nyland sort of carried the ball over the line and then sort of rubbed it against the back of the post i've never i honestly in in 30 odd years of watching football i have never seen the ball touch the pu- touch that side of the post i feel like i've, I've ticked off a box and <laughs> achievement on the xbox it's that ball i've never seen the ball touch the back of the post like that wonderful wonderful scenes what did slightly surprise me about the occlusion uh, <laughs> and, the, and the level of occlusion <laughs> was that he he is sort of holding the ball there for quite a long time mm. like it's not just over the line it's kind of held over yeah. the line and you would have thought would a ca- would one of their cameras not like there was long enough for that to have been picked up but um it was yes it was it was bizarre goalkeeper uh yeah uh but i, I if you know if you take away this technological faff that we've had over this i just really enjoy original passages of football jack and if, if that's going to happen in the first game back from for project restart then can't we consider this a successful day of football because 
I think we had a sufficient level of Premier League drama to consider this a, at least an average average day of Premier League action. I think it was an above average day of Premier League action. Yeah. We got a we got a so it's just kind of coming up with a, a checklist. So we got a ridiculous technology argument. <laughs> we got a like well known player performing to type in a hilarious way in David Luiz. We got like a team playing really, really well in Manchester City. Like they scored three goals and they should have scored seven or eight. Uh, we got a lengthy stoppage. Obviously, we all hope Eric Garcia is okay, but I think I feel like a, a lengthy stoppage is like part of a big, exciting Barclays mm. Premier League game. Mm. Um, we also got, and again, this is something I'd forgotten about, but it's always really fun. Like leading player gets left out of the squad. Clubs, club clearly briefs he's not injured. And then lots of journalists tweet that you know, Mesut Ozil's exclusion was tactical or Mesut Ozil is not injured, which again is like part of the big, any big selection argument or features this kind of like, like clarifying that the player in question was, would have been fully fit to have been part of the squad. Um, so I guess in that sense, we are we ticked an awful lot of boxes yesterday, much more than I thought we would have done. Jack, as well, with your um, soap opera analogy as well, Ozil, that was a pretty good ref- handy refresher for anyone unsure of that narrative. Yeah, completely. You know, the, the Arsenal, tra- Arsenal travel north for an away game and Ozil's not in the squad and it is not because of an injury. I'm yeah, loving this uh, mundane you know, football chat. This this is exactly what I want. I, I don't want to hear about the new normal. I want, I want, to, hear, I want to hear really really mundane chat about Meza Ozil <laughs> and technological faffing and that's it's just exactly what football is to me I want it to be my bread and butter I don't want it to be my caviar um, what boxes do we need left to be ticked on Friday that we haven't had so far some kind uh, of like uh technical area spat I mean well, I feel like the wrong been, word. we've already been spoiled the, the, the clock went to 100 minutes on the first day back of Premier League football. Mm. We've already been spoiled here. Uh, I feel like maybe a Twitter spat or maybe a spit spat. Tunnel fracker. Or, or a, a a thrilling game. I mean, like a 3-2 or yeah. a, a humdinger of a game. Oh, because be nice then, then somebody will have the job of saying, well, no, football really is back now. Uh, <laughs> I think it's safe to say after that. Uh, uh, that I think this was the moment that the Premier League really announced, re-announced itself to the world. Um, I, I don't know who that was. Let's not speculate. Thank you for occluding with me on today's episode. Mm, that's been great occlusion. Yeah, really superb occlusion. It. There's no game tonight, which I find quite troubling. This is this is where the World Cup kind of analogy finishes. You should have the World Cups begin with games at least every three or four days. Then you have a rest. There's a rest straight away, which I'm really disappointed by. So I might have to catch up with some League Two playoff action instead. Um, but but of course, the BBC will have live Premier League football for the first time, Jack. Is this going to be the oddest experience of all? This is when I think it really is going to feel like a. World Cup in the sense that you know people will be watching it'll it'll be on BBC everyone will be watching it almost in absence of anything else to do I suppose I always thought that on Friday the Norwich Southampton game would feel like the kind of game that you sit through to get settled in for the big one or to get I was going to say to get a good table for the pub but of course that isn't that won't quite be the case anymore but yeah I think the I think the tournament vibes are going to be really are going to be really there on Saturday when you've got four games in a row well, I'm going to pretend I am watching Ivory Coast versus Japan at 2am tonight. Um, thanks both for joining me. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you, everyone. Sit next time. Mm-hmm.